Welcome to the Making Fitness Funner podcast with your host, personal trainer and nap connoisseur, William Mitchell. Hello and welcome to the Making Fitness Funner podcast. I'm your host, William Mitchell. Last week, I took a look at the barriers that prevent us from exercising and a few ideas to help overcome those barriers so those of us that know that we need to start exercising can actually get to it. This week, I overheard a question. It wasn't directed at me, but I overheard a question. What can I eat to make me lose weight? And my first thought was, well, less. And then I started thinking, in America, we have a we-need-to-do-more mindset. And part of this, as far as dieting, started whenever they found that um, saturated fats weren't good for you they decided we need to tell people to eat less saturated fats, eat less red meat. Well, the red meat industry uh, lobbied and said, hey, you can't tell people to eat less of our product. You know, we, we're good tax-paying citizens. You're going to harm the economy if you do that. What you need to do is tell people to eat more healthy stuff, not less unhealthy stuff. So that kind of became a mindset that if you want to improve you need to eat more of something not less of something now because we've been eating more of things and i'm not going to get into all the history of that but because we've been eating more of things we have become a fairly heavy society Uh, you've heard all the obesity statistics so i'm not going to go into that but because of that we developed a diet industry and the diet industry in 2023 is projected to make $299.39 billion. So it's in their best interest to make losing weight seem like a magical thing that you have to do their exact program. And it has to be very complicated and it has to be very regimented or it won't work. And a lot of what is said turns out to be kind of pseudoscience. And by that, I mean you take something that's scientifically true and then you expand and expand and expand and expand upon it with things that are not necessarily scientifically true. Because every one of these diet programs, bottom line, just get you to eat less. Now, a big part of our problem is that the two main energy sources for our body, the two things that we crave the most because back in the caveman days and even up until fairly modern times, food was fairly scarce. So you wanted the things that had high energy. And the things for immediate energy was sugar. Your carbohydrates, anything that had lots of carbohydrates in it, your body turns that into sugar and you've got quick energy. And then the long-term, really energy-dense energy was fat. Now, in nature, generally, foods are either high in carbohydrates or high in fat. They don't have a real big crossover. But because we've learned how to cook, and our food manufacturing people have learned the secret that if you mix just the right amount of sugar, the right amount of fat, and the right amount of salt, it makes a food almost irresistible to human beings. Now, with a fairly unlimited supply of irresistible food, it made it very likely for us to overeat. Now, back in the 60s, they decided fat was bad for people with heart conditions, so started encouraging people to eat a low-fat diet. 
and more and more people ate a low-fat diet. The problem is they replaced it with carbohydrates, and nobody lost weight. So they said, oh, wait, wait, the problem is not the low-fat diet. It's a low-carb diet. So they started putting people on a low-carb diet instead of a low-fat diet. Well, a group of actual scientists went, and they took 600 and some people, they did them for 12 months, either on a low-fat diet or a low-carbohydrate diet. And what they found was that they lost the same amount of weight. In a year, they lost about 11 pounds. And it wasn't anything miraculous. It's just that you eat less. And a big factor in this is that almost every diet works right up until it stops working. And I kind of thought it was a really cool study. They found people that were going on a diet. They had them record when they started their diet. They had them record when they finished their diet, when they gave up on it. And you know, some people had good willpower. They stayed on the diet for long periods of time. Some people stayed on the diet for very short periods of time. And then they averaged it. And, of course, they made a big sensationalized headline out of it that the average diet lasts five weeks, two days, and 43 minutes. Now, if you did not eat one bite of food and you required a 2,000 calorie a day diet and your body metabolism did not slow down, which it would, but if everything worked perfect, you could probably lose 20 pounds if you did not eat one bite of food and you maintained your regular activity for five weeks, two days, and 43 minutes. But it's not going to work that way, and chances are extraordinarily good you're not going to do a five-week fast. And matter of fact, if you're thinking about doing a five-week fast, don't. It's not good for you. So what's the big problem? Why, why do we not stay on diets? Why do these diets not work? Well, one of the things is we are absolutely horrible at estimating how much food we actually ate. They followed people. They, they had them eat in a cafeteria. They recorded everything that they ate. And then they asked the people how much they ate. And they found that people who were thin underestimated the amount they ate by 281 calories a day. Now, that's a pretty significant amount. But people that were heavy underestimated by 717 calories a day, which is absolutely abysmal. So... Guessing how much you ate is not going to work. And actually, another study found that if a person in the real world, not, not in the math part, but in the real world, ate 100 calories a day extra, in three years they'd put on an extra 10 pounds. So that means if all things being equal, those people that were miscalculating by 700 calories a day could have put on up to 70 pounds in the three years. And that's even if they think they're eating low enough calories to be losing weight. So you can see where the problem's coming in on that. On top of that, it turns out that most of our diets are horribly restrictive. You tell somebody, you can't eat this, you can't eat this, you can't eat this, and you can't eat this. Well, if you tell people you can't eat all these things, the first thing they want to do is eat those things. It's like the old saying, don't think of a pink elephant. And as soon as somebody tells you, don't think of a pink elephant, the first thing that pops into your mind is a pink elephant. So quickly, what can we do to make this a more successful weight loss without having to contribute to the $300 billion weight loss industry? Well, the first thing is you need to figure out how many calories you need in a day. There's a lot of great calorie counters online. Be honest as to how active you are and how much you weigh. And it will tell you, you need this many calories in a day. The next thing is measure 
everything you eat down to the last M&M, that glass of wine or bourbon or sun drop that you had while you're watching TV, any of that stuff, if it goes into your mouth and it's not water, you need to have recorded it and measured it and know how many calories are in it. The next thing is absolutely no foods are off limits. You can eat whatever you want to, but you probably are going to find out pretty quickly that the more calorie dense a food is, the more calories it has per pound, the less satisfying it is. Like I just figured out if you ate a Big Mac, a 20 ounce Coke and a large fries, you'd have eaten about 1651 calories. If you're a person that needed 2000 calories to maintain your weight, if you're cutting 500 calories out of that, you can't eat anything else for the day except that meal. So that's probably not a terrific choice for you. But if you are just jonesing for a Big Mac, then go ahead and have the Big Mac. Maybe you'd want to have it without the fries and with the water. But whatever, the food is not off limits to you. And another thing I would recommend is finding a calorie density chart and picking foods that have lower amounts of calories per pound. That way you can eat more of it and feel more satisfied than foods that have higher amounts of calories per pound. And now some of them you're going to want to put some of those higher calories per pound foods in there just because they taste good and you want to have them. But make sure that you keep it within reason. And lastly, if you find something that works, stick with it. If it's what I said and it's free, that's fine. If it's something that's expensive, if it's something that's restrictive, if it's working for you, it's not making you miserable and it's not making you malnourished, I say stay with it because all you have to do is take in fewer calories than you're burning and you're going to be successful at weight loss. And if you're successful at weight loss, that's going to make it easier to move, which is going to make it easier to exercise. And that's going to make your fitness just a little bit funner. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If I've said anything that you thought was enjoyable or worth sharing, please refer this to a friend so that they can have more fun in their fitness journey. Also, please remember to subscribe and like the podcast. As always, I'd like to thank One Accord for the bumper music and Paul Sink for the great intro work. And I hope you'll join us next week as we try to make fitness funner.